0: What is going on sports fans and welcome to season two episode 22 of the jack of all trades sports podcast it's our super bowl preview we are going to have a full super bowl 55 preview between the buccaneers and the chiefs as you can see behind me i am in raymond james stadium uh, doing this broadcast and we're also going to get into what's trending in the nba mlb there's a big trade with a gold glover and an all-star and we are going to get to that and much much more but first this episode as always is brought to you by anchor anchor is the easiest way to make podcast creation tools Editing tools, everything you need to start your very own podcast, go to anchor.fm to get started today. Today is Wednesday, February 3rd, and we are going to start with a quote today, ladies and gentlemen. And this quote comes courtesy of Tom Terrific, Tom Brady. So, as we know, this year NFL players have had to deal with so many things with the coronavirus, so many differences to the season. You know, a lot of players found themselves on the COVID list. They didn't necessarily miss games, but there were times when they when they just wouldn't be there or would have to spend days away from their families and all that stuff now this might be a benefit for tom brady because i don't know he's 43 years old but he is as motivated as i've ever seen him and i've been watching him play for a long long time so here is the quote and i quote from tom brady he said my family won't get back in town until saturday i really had an empty house for what will be 12 days leading up to the game That is the most time I've had to really focus on what I need to do from a football standpoint. Um, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Undisputed greatest quarterback of all time. But hearing that as a Kansas City Chiefs fan... I am a little bit nervous about Sunday's game. We're going to get to the Super Bowl preview in the second half of the episode. We're going to focus on the other sports in the first half. We're going to take a quick break, here. a sponsor from our uh, sponsors at Anchor, hear an ad from them. And then we're going to get right into our full Super Bowl preview, including my pick. I've been 50-50 on my pick all week. So stay tuned if you want to hear who I think is going to win the big game. But let's get into the NBA. So one of the biggest trending stories of the NBA in recent memory happened uh, the other day. And it was LeBron, involved LeBron James and this heckler who he dubbed Courtside Karen. Now Courtside Karen was with her husband uh, and they were sitting courtside in the Atlanta Hawks uh, Los Angeles Lakers game the other night and they were heckling lebron this this lady um i don't know her name i apologize for not knowing her name her name let's see if we can find her name her, her her name is juliana carlos and she appeared to give lebron a middle finger salute upon her ejection from the arena but the reason she got ejected wasn't because she was um you know heckling lebron it was because she pulled her mask down to do it and obviously that's frowned upon in nba in the NBA, it's frowned upon generally in society right now, but especially with the NBA where there's fans and all that stuff, they don't want that kind of stuff. So she, she went on her Instagram Live and claimed that LeBron cussed out her husband. And they apparently reviewed The uh, the Athletic. is a great website, great sports website, 3 dollars a month if you want to subscribe to them. They give exclusive content. I love The Athletic. I go there to read about everything in, in uh, the sports world. They have great authors and great, they're a great website. The Athletic accessed courtside footage of this incident and determined that the only thing LeBron said to this fan and her husband was old steroid ass. Old steroid ass. <laughs> and it was pretty funny. Um, and I, I don't know. If you look, you can go ahead and um, Google LeBron James uh, and uh, just Google LeBron James courtside Karen and you can uh, make your judgments on this situation as you want. I just thought I would mention it because I thought it was pretty funny. But she, after uh, the the athletic kind of reviewed what happened, the, um, this woman changed her tone, Juliana Carlos. She changed her tone. She posted via her Instagram, which has 81.3 thousand followers last night. She said, about last night. To say things escalated quickly at yesterday's game is an understatement, and I would like to apologize for losing my cool and removing my mask in the heat of the moment. My husband is a huge sports fan, and we're passionate people, and let's be real, sports wouldn't be sports without a little trash-talking. What should have been a quick back and forth between two adults got out of hand. And my natural instinct to stand up for the man I love kicked in. Did I get defensive when that happened? Yes. Did I use offensive language when I could have taken the higher road? Yes. And for these things, I take full responsibility. (laughs) I don't get it. Like I get trash talking is a part of the game, but some of these fans, like... Like And you heard it in the last dance. We kind of talked about it last week with the last dance and Michael Jordan and how motivated he got. And we talked about LeBron last week getting motivated by the member of the Cavs front office. Like, I don't understand what these people think (laughs) pissing off one of these high profile athletes is going to do. LeBron James, in my opinion, is the greatest football, uh, Football. what am I doing? I got football on the mind because I got football in the background. He is the greatest basketball player of all time, in my opinion. He doesn't need extra motivation. If you guys remember in 2006, 2007, I think when they were playing the Toronto, Cavs were playing the Toronto Raptors up in, up in Toronto. Chris Bosh's girlfriend was actually at the game and she said something to him. And LeBron just kicked in into another year and he scored, I think like 15, 16 points in the fourth quarter, led the Cavs to a come from behind victory. I don't get it. And you look at LeBron in the finals, You everybody remembers 2016 finals, the greatest NBA finals ever. Clay Thompson saying, you know, it's a man's game and I guess he just got his feelings hurt. And then LeBron, the classic shot of LeBron going, What'd you say, Clay said? You know, Clay, what'd he say? And then he just started laughing. And in those villains, and he's got in, the, in the, the Undertaker shirt, and he's got those villain like sunglasses on. You know, it was just a classic moment. I don't get why these fans think their team is going to benefit from trash talking these great athletes. But LeBron didn't seem too upset about the incident after the game. In fact, he appeared to side with uh, the, uh, J- Juliana Carlos in appreciating a little back and forth with an opposing fan. LeBron said after the game, at the end of the day, I'm happy fans are back in the building. I miss that interaction. We as players need that interaction. And that's just classic LeBron taking taking the high road. He continued to say, there's a back and forth between two grown men. We said our our piece, he said his piece, I said my piece. Then someone else jumped into it and said their piece. And that's kind of all that happened. Now, we're going to go ahead and Google LeBron's stats for this game and just kind of tell you how that worked out for as people have dubbed her on Twitter, and everything else courtside caring. Let's take a look at LeBron's stats. I'm sure it didn't work out. He had 21 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists. That's a classic LeBron stat line. He struggled a little bit on the points side, but don't worry. The game was 98-97 to 97 with about a minute left, and LeBron hit a step back three to ice that game like he does. And that's just funny. I love those kind of stories. And I love that we're getting fan interaction back in stands. And a team that would have a lot of fans right now is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Colin Sexton has been the, uh, the catalyst for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And he read, he wrote an article for the Players' Tribune called Back on the Map Today. And if it does not get you hype as a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, I don't know what will. Basically, this article kind of talked about Colin Sexton, how he got to where he is in the NBA um, from playing AAU ball in U17, U16 league in which he set the scoring record. And in the classic, classic college game, when he went three on five when he was on Alabama against Minnesota, after his whole team got ejected because they came on the floor after an incident, and then one player fouled out, one player got injured, Colin Sexton brought his team to within three in that game, and he kind of said it put them back on the map. But then he started talking about this season. We talked about this game a couple weeks ago. We talked about it. He said, and I quote, the third time I put myself on the map was last month versus Brooklyn. And actually, matter of fact, let's cut out that I. There's no I here. 147, 135, and double OT against a title contender, against three Hall of Famers in a game we knew they were up for, W. For me, that moment, that was a wee moment. That was the night we went out there together as a group and let everyone know it's time for the Cavs to be on your radar. It's time to start paying attention to Cleveland basketball again. Colin Sexton is the leader of this Cavs team, undisputed leader of this Cavs team. And I, I saw this stat the other day and it was like how long it took for the Cavs to get their ninth win in the season. Right now the Cavs sit at 10 11. But how long it took for the Cavs to get their ninth win in the season – since lebron left i think in the 2019 season it was something like 54 games and in the next season it was a lot longer than that and in the 29 and this current season the 2021 nba season uh it was it was only uh 18 games and that shows how much the cavaliers are improving i think jb bickerstaff is the right coach for this cavaliers team colin sexton went on to express that In in this article, he said, we've been building to this, and I've been talking, we've been building from scratch. My rookie season here, I won't lie, those were some rough moments. We had guys shipping in, guys shipping out. It was a different lineup every night. I think we must have set some kind of record for most different lineups used. We just had no identity to fall back on. And then he started talking about the coaching and how JB has been the guy. He said, I think our coach, coaching situation, man, it was just another one of those things that people might have forgotten about when they were looking at our record over the last couple of years. And again, it's not, about, it's not about criticism of anyone else, I don't think. It's about more complimenting Coach Bickerstaff. It's more about how when Coach took over, everything just finally started to fall into place. It was like now we had a coach we felt we had a trust with. And that just gets me excited as a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. They have been playing great basketball as of late. Um, Jared Allen, they just—we mentioned that in the James Harden trade. The Cavs it was a highway robbery, getting Jared Allen from the Brooklyn Nets along with Terian Prince. Those are two young players who are gonna be a part of the future of Cleveland basketball. And the to the for the Cavs to just throw a couple picks away and a veteran who's not going to play much for you—that's a perfect trade for them tonight. Now the Cavs have a big test tonight. Um, this will kind of be our last NBA thing we touch on before we get into the MLB trade of Nolan Arenado to the St. Louis Cardinals and what that means for the layout of Major League Baseball. But last thing we're going to touch on: the Cavs do play the Clippers tonight, and the Clippers came off one of the best games of the year last night. They beat the Nets in. Did they beat the Nets? They might have lost the Nets. I might have that wrong. Excuse me. Let me look up because I know they played the Nets and some people like Skip Bayless (laughs) were dubbing it an NBA finals preview, despite the fact that he forgot, I guess he forgot LeBron James existed. I don't know when that happened. The Clippers actually did lose to the Nets. It was a great game. Brooklyn, besides three kind of anomaly games against the Cavs, they lost back-to-back games to the Cavs. And then they lost a great game to the Wizards the other night. They lost 149-146 to 146 after Bradley Beal hit the three. And then Russell Westbrook and his teammate got the steal. Westbrook hit the three. The Wizards come back and stun the Brooklyn Nets. That's a great game. If you want to watch some highlights of an NBA game, Google Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets, Washington Wizards. Watch the game from the other night. I believe it was Sunday night. That's an A-plus game right there. But they lost the to the Nets last night. But the Nets, what I was saying... Ever since they got Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden together, three of the greatest shot makers in NBA history, in recent NBA history for sure. They have been on a roll. They've only lost three games. I think they're 10-3 or 9-3. They're 14-9 overall, and I think they should be considered the favorites to go to the finals in the Eastern Conference. Kevin Durant, ladies and gentlemen, is back. And I know I've been a critic of Kevin Durant, but I've also praised the guy because I respect the man's game. But but an Achilles injury is so tricky to figure out. You never know if the player is going to come back as their true self. Kevin Durant has proven all the haters wrong. 28 points, 9 rebounds last night. Kyrie Irving had 39 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 assists. Woo-wee! And not to be outdone, James Harden, 23 points, 11 rebounds, and 14 assists. Just a triple-double. A casual triple-double at that. And the Nets win. That's a great game. You know... I think this if we get this Nets Lakers finals, I've been saying, I said even last week. There's no doubt in my mind. I said last week, there's no doubt in my mind, it's only January. Los Angeles Lakers will repeat as the NBA champions. Looking at this Brooklyn Nets team, if they can figure it out, they got Steve Nash as a head coach. And I know they have talented players who can coach themselves. So let's be real. Steve Nash is a head coach. He's doing great things. And Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, three of the greatest offensive players we have seen in recent memory in the NBA coming together. That's going to be a matchup problem for the Lakers. Now, I know. If You you can ask me who's going to guard Anthony Davis on the Nets. I would agree. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, though, but but I'm saying Nets-Lakers is the finals I want to see. Right now, February 3rd, 2021. Give me Nets-Lakers in the finals. All right, so Back to what I was saying, the Cavaliers play the Clippers tonight. Should be a good matchup in Cleveland. Um, I think I, I feel like the Clippers should be favored to win, but the thing I kind of want to talk about with this game is not necessarily the matchup. I think the Cavs could win this matchup, by the way. But does Teron Lu, the head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers, obviously the head coach of the Cavaliers in 2016 when they won the NBA championship, does he deserve a video tribute? I think he should get one. And I think Teron Liu does not get enough credit for what he did with that 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers team. He he did something that uh, i always remember. Um, go read Return of the King by Brian Winhurst and Dave McMenamin, two reporters on the Cavs that season. They wrote a book about the comeback, about LeBron coming back to Cleveland, and about that championship. Ultimately, ultimately it, it is great. After Game 5, I think it was before Game 5, Tyronn Lue gave a speech to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He put, I think it was either $5 or $10 in the ceiling of Oracle Arena and said, we're leaving this here and we're going to come back and get it for Game 7. And the Cavaliers, as we know, the rest is history. Tyronn Lue was a great leader and it was the first time in LeBron James's career he played for a player as a coach and i think that did that benefited lebron and i think it was lebron who orchestrated. we we know we know lebron gets the gets the uh, you know uh, reputation as a uh, coach killer <laughs> he got david blatt fired you know people say he's gotten a ton of coaches fired well i don't know how much i believe that since eric Spoelstra still's got a job in miami uh, Lou got has gotten a job with the los angeles clippers and frank Vogel is still the coach of the los angeles lakers I don't know. But, um, you know, I, he we know LeBron had something to do with David Black getting fired in 2016. But I think Tyron Lue did wonders with that Cavaliers team. I think when they went down 3-1, their minds were so... Uh, besides LeBron and Kyrie, those two, I know, they knew they could still win. Especially LeBron. But I feel like when you go down 3-1 in a series of that magnitude, your mindset can be like, man... What are we going to do? We have so much to do. We've been throwing at ad- everything at him. We've been throwing haymakers at him, and we still can't get anywhere. I think Teron Lue's leadership on that team is underrated, and I think he should get a video tribute tonight and a nice ovation from the 2,000 or so fans that are at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse tonight. All right, from the NBA to the MLB. Man, this MLB season, bro, like... They've been like we've been talking about. We've been talking about the MLB. We have been talking about great off season moves, and I I know I'm a baseball fan. Baseball's always been my favorite sport. Even though we've got the football shirt on, this Cleveland Brown shirt, and we got the Raymond James Stadium as our background for this episode, baseball has always been my favorite sport. And it just like the off season the baseball's having. Even though I'm a Cleveland Indians fan, and it sucks that we had to trade Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. We have been seeing some of the. Best, like hot stove type moves in baseball that I can remember in a long, long time. And I think it's great. And the most recent was Nolan Arenado, the um, perennial all star for the Colorado Rockies. He's won eight straight gold gloves and he has won the batting, the home run title three separate seasons. He gets traded to the Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals. The deal is the culmination of a year-long rumor cycle involving Ar- Arenado. So the Rockies received, uh, the Rockies traded, excuse me, Nolan Arenado and approximately fifty-one million dollars in cash, and the Cardinal and the Cardinals traded to the Rockies. Left-handed pitcher Austin Gomber, infielder Mateo Gill, infielder. Oh, I, I don't, I don't want to butcher this name, but I'll try it. Eluherius Montero, he's a right-handed pitcher. Uh, he's an infielder, excuse me, right-handed pitcher Tony Losi and right-handed pitcher Jake Somers. Now, if I had to grade this trade, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Well, we'll we'll give I think the Cardinals get a better grade than the Rockies because at the end of the day, I've been talking about it when the Indians traded Lindor, when the Pirates traded Josh Bell. If you guys go back and listen to our episodes, I've been talking about why small market teams have such a disadvantage in Major League Baseball. It's because there's no Salary cap and when there's no salary cap, even the Boston Red Sox having to trade Mookie Betts, the Red Sox having to trade their best player because they can't afford him, that is unheard of. And because Boston has been a relatively big market, but I don't know. I don't know. But the small market teams can't compete. Um, It's rare small market teams signs an extension. The the Rockies actually extended Nolan Arenado for a long time, but they looked at their financial situation. They said, "We can't afford to keep this dude for our future. We have to get some prospects back. We can't let him walk when the time comes." And that's what they did. They got a handful of prospects back, and more importantly, and more importantly, they got some they got some money as well. So. Um, that is what that that's why they made the trade. They got the salary off the books, and the Rockies hopefully will rebuild. They still got Trevor Story, who might be the best shortstop in Major League Baseball. So it'll be interesting to see where the Rockies go from here. But getting back to my grades for this trade, the Cardinals get they they got Nolan Arenado. He's one of the best players in the league. Uh, he is. I don't know. He's coming off a rough season. I will say that he's coming off a rough season. He had two fifty three in forty eight games, but it's only forty eight games. You can't, you know, you can't kind of, you know, judge the guy just on this one season, which was a pandemic year, and with a team he dislikes, and he's a twenty nine year old with more than a thousand prior games, suggesting that he's really good. Provided Arenado gets back on track this year, it's fair to wonder what the future holds for him in St. Louis. As part of the deal, he's not only retained his opt-out after 2021, but gained an additional opt-out after 2022, as well as another year and $15 million tacked on if he doesn't opt-out. So, Arenado and his agent will have to decide if he can beat $179 million and then $144 million in each of those winters. Regardless of those answers, the Cardinals should be able to make a real run at retaining retaining him. They have Paul Goldschmidt and Miles Mikolas on the books for a while, and they have to be mindful of Jack Flaherty, who I picked to win the NL Cy Young last year. He's a great young pitcher. His arbitration is going to raise, and eventual, and he'll eventually be a free agent. But they this looks like a both a sh- good short term and long term play for the Cardinals, and it's a dang good one. They immediately catapult. To the favorites in the NL Central. I would not put them as the favorites in the National League. I would have Dodgers one, Padres two. I would give the Cardinals three, then give the Mets four. That would be my power rankings in the NL and who the favorites, quote-unquote, should be. Um, The reason I can't put the Cardinals above the Rockies and the Padres, the Padres, dude, the Padres are loaded. They are loaded. We talked about their moves. Fernando Tatis might be the face of baseball. Sorry, Mike Trout. Fernando Tatis might be the face of baseball. And old Fernando Tatis Jr., the guy who breaks all the unwritten rules of baseball, who backflips after a grand slam, who is one of the most electric players in baseball. They got Blake Snell, the guy who I thought could have been World Series MVP if the Tampa Bay Rays didn't take him out in Game 6. They got Eric Hosmer, the Wizard of Haas, the guy who won a World Series in Kansas City. They got Manny Machado, a swaggy third baseman who can make any throw on the diamond and who can also hit dingers. And they got a lot, a lot more. And for the Dodgers, they just won the World Series. And they have Mookie Betts. And they have Clayton Kershaw, who kind of silenced the doubters about playoff Kershaw. The Dodgers are just going to get better as well. So that's why I can't put them up there. Great move, though, for the Cardinals. They immediately, immediately go to number three in my National League Power Rankings. Rockies, I'll give them a C-plus on this deal. I don't know. I don't know what to say. They got good, good prospects, which is what you need to get in a type of deal like this. But it's hard to spin this one as a positive for them. They're spending more than $50 million regardless of where Arenado is in 2022 without receiving a legitimate headliner in return. And they're doing all that because um, um, they're, the guy who signed Arenado was adamant that the contract included an opt-out clause after 2021. I don't know about that. The best case scenario is that the Rockies find a way to use their savings. They did save 150 million to lock in Trevor Story to a long-term extension. They believe in th- the belief in the industry right now is that Story is unlikely to stay in Colorado. Why would he? He's months away from hitting the open market and he just had a front row seat for the Nolan Arenado implosion. If the Rockies were winning or had a real chance at winning anytime soon, maybe Trevor Story could be convinced. Otherwise, why bother? The return itself Is good, not great. Gomber is a 6'5", 220 southpaw who has has split his big league career between starting and relieving. Last season he had a 1.86 ERA in 29 innings. That's pretty darn good. He's probably a number 4 type starter in their rotation. Decent chance he ends up in their bullpen long term because of either his health or his performance. Talk about the other guys, Montero. He played in 2019. He played in double A. He struggled 5.52 ops and a 31% strikeout rate. He's only 22 though. He's got a lot of upside. He needs to find a way to make more consistent contact, work deeper counts, tap into his raw power more frequently because he's no sure thing to remain at the hot corner for the long haul. And remember Benji Gill. Mateo is his son. Uh, the younger Jill appeared in just two games above rookie ball since being plucked in the third round of 2018. The progress of his bat, again, these guys, they're young. And when you make a trade for these young players, you have to wait for them to develop. I'm sure in 2008, when the Indians traded CC Sabathia to the Milwaukee Brewers, and they got a player to be named later back, I'm sure people weren't saying, oh, the Indians won this trade. you know. But guess who that player to be named later turned out to be? Michael Brantley who was an all-star, of course, with the Cleveland Indians, finished third in MVP voting once or twice for the Cleveland Indians. So that was a good trade. So these trades take time to develop. It takes time to see who wins the trade. As of right now, though, I think the Cardinals win this trade. But getting back to it, Mateo's got um, to get his back going and become a star, or he's just going to be a spare infielder. Losi does have a starter frame. 6'3, 239, but not a starter's control. Kind of like Ricky Vaughn in Major League, where he, he's throwing it off the off the head of the guy <laughs> in the batting machine. He walked more than 13% of the batters he faced between college and the minors in 2019. If they can if they cannot help him throw more strikes, he could become an effective reliever behind a fastball and a slider combo. And that's that's just my opinions on the trade. The Cardinals win it and um the, the Rockies lose it. As of right now, two more stories before we go to break and get into our Super Bowl 55 preview. All right. First, we're going to talk about an NFL trade that I don't think we talked about yet. It happened this weekend. Matthew Stafford gets traded to the Los Angeles Rams. And I think it's a win-win trade. And here's why I I love win-win trades, uh, but I think it's a win-win trade. It was a blockbuster deal in the NFL broke late Saturday night. The Los Angeles Rams acquire Matthew Stafford from the Detroit Lions and a massive blockbuster trade for Jared Goff, a 2021 third round pick and first round picks in 2022 and 2023. The Rams will inherit Stafford on a two-year $43 million deal, and the Lions will carry a $17.8 million dead cap hit in 2021. Here's why this is a win-win trade. Let's start with the obvious winners, the Rams. Well, the, the, the big winner is Matthew Stafford because he's not a Detroit Lion anymore. I love I loved Detroit Lions fans. You know, you guys have been through a lot, like Cleveland Browns fans, but man, oh man, you guys got to figure it out soon. I do like Dan Campbell, your new head coach. He could figure it out. And I just said you guys won this trade as well. So listen, why you won this trade. Let's start with Matthew Stafford. The dude's got arm talent. He's got one of the best arms in the NFL. I would put him behind Patrick Mahomes Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen in terms of arm strength arm talent I'd put him fourth in the league right as of right now I'd put him fourth in the league and that's a testament to how well he plays the dude has been took the Lions to the playoffs I think two years maybe three but he's been so good let's take a look at his numbers with the Lions this past season he played most of the games this year he obviously got injured near the end there but he he still was a baller for the Lions this year and he made some ridiculous no-look passes he was doing it all his stats this year, he played, let's look, pro football, pro football reference is my place to go for NFL stats. It should be yours too, if you ever need to look up an NFL stat. All right, his he his—he is—he played in uh, 16, he played in all 16 games this year. Uh, he obviously went out in some because of injury. He got injured in that Titans game, didn't finish the game, but he played in all 16 games this year. They went 5-11. Stafford. Completed 64.2% of his passes for 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. His career numbers, 282 touchdowns, 144 interceptions, 62.6, 62.6, excuse me, completion percentage. His quarterback record is 74 and 90, but he hasn't had that great talent in Detroit since Calvin Johnson retired. You look at his record when he had a good coach in Jim Caldwell. Still don't know don't know why the Detroit Lions fired Jim Caldwell. But you look at his record when he had Jim Caldwell. He went 10 and 6 with um he went 10 and 6 with 10 and 6 with Jim Schwartz when they had Jim Schwartz as their head coach early in Stafford's career. He went 10 and 6 in his 3rd year led them to the playoffs. They obviously lost. They haven't won a playoff game since Barry Sanders, but he got them there. Then they hired Jim Schwartz and he went 11 and 5, 7 and 9, 9 and 7, 9 and 7. And then he got fired. He went above 500 in 3 out of 4 years. I still don't know why James Schwartz got fired. I honestly don't know. But the, the point is, Stafford has done a lot with a little in Detroit. He's done a lot with a little in Detroit. And he goes from a bad situation to a perfect situation. Matthew Stafford paired up with Sean McVay is going to be very good for the Los Angeles Rams. McVay's a young coach. He can He, he works well with quarterbacks. And I'm excited to see that. Uh, in addition to that, The Rams have a great defense. They have two two of the best defensive players in the league in Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. And they have talent around Stafford. Cooper Cup is a great receiver. Robert Woods is a great receiver. Cam Akers is a good running back. If they can restructure Aaron Donald and uh, Jalen Ramsey's contract maybe a little bit and go get a big name out in the market, either a running back, a tight end, or a receiver, I would catapult the Rams to my Super Bowl favorites for next season in the NFC. That's why the Rams are a winner in this trade. Now, why are the Detroit Lions oh, the winner in this trade? You might be saying, Jack, you're crazy. The Detroit Lions aren't a winner in this trade. Are you kidding me? That's where you're wrong, my friend. They are a winner in this trade. Here's why. Because you get a guy who can start for you this year. You get a Jared Goff. Who, you know, Jared Goff is not the best quarterback in the world. He's not great by any means. But he won- people forget two years ago he led the Rams to a Super Bowl. He led the Rams to a Super Bowl two two years ago. That was a short two years ago. And just this past year, he went 10 and 6, led his team to the playoffs, won a playoff game, and played with a, a freaking a stum that had a bunch of stitches in it. The dude is tough. He can play the game of football. And he is a good player. You look at his his career record with the Rams, 42 and 27. He's been to the playoffs, I believe, uh Three out of five years, he went to the Super Bowl in twenty eighteen. He went nine and he went ten and six this year. Nine and seven uh, in twenty nineteen, and eleven and four in twenty seventeen as a starter. His career numbers: sixty three point four completion percentage, one hundred seventeen touchdowns, fifty five interceptions, twenty two touchdown twenty touchdowns, thirteen picks this season. He's a guy that can um, that can start for you immediately and win some football games for you. Now the Lions aren't going to make the playoffs this year. By no means. But what they did, they set themselves up for the future with these draft picks. I know you're telling me the Rams are going to be picking at 25 and 26. How good can a 25th pick in the NFL be? It can be good. It can be great. There are guys, there are gems in the second round. Nick Chubb got picked 35th by the Cleveland Browns in 2018. And now he's one of the best running backs in football. T.J. Watt was a late first round pick for the Steelers. And he might be arguably the best defensive lineman, outside linebacker, in football. Those guys, those are impact picks. In addition to that, the Lions still have their own first round picks. So for some reason Jared Goff is really bad for the Lions, which I personally don't expect, he still can help them maybe tank a little and take some high impact players at the top of the first round this season what the Lions should do you guys are gonna call me crazy they should take a quarterback they should take a quarterback Trey Lance Justin Fields Zach Wilson take one of those three guys do it take one of those three guys you should do it here's what you do you set your quarterback room up like the Chiefs did when they had Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. You draft a Justin Fields. You draft a Zach Wilson. You draft a Trey Lance. You let them sit and develop for at least a year behind Jared Goff. And then you start. You start on them. And hopefully they take off like Patrick Mahomes. I think any of those three guys could be a star in the NFL in the right system. I don't think they'll be stars right away. But I think that is their best chance to develop. And that is why the Detroit Lions are a winner of this trade as well. Before we go to break, this is just a fun story. I'm so excited about it. I might have to buy another Xbox just to to play this game. The NCAA football video games are coming back, ladies and gentlemen. They are coming back. I'm so excited. I, I know I'm so, so, so excited because, man, oh, man, this is just exciting stuff. The NCAA football games are coming back, and um it's exciting. It's they're gonna be on the next gen cons consoles, and uh they are going to be um released in uh two to three years. I'm excited. If you're a football fan and a college football video game fan, you should be excited too. All right, we're gonna go take a quick break when we come back. Super Bowl 55 preview: my keys to the game, my pick for MVP. Who is going to win? What is the score going to be? And who is going to be lifting the Lombardi come Sunday night? Find out when we come back. And welcome back, everybody, to Season 2, Episode 22 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast presented by Anchor. Super Bowl Sunday is here, and honestly, in 2020, in a year like 2020, it's just an accomplishment that we got to Super Bowl Sunday, and not a single NFL game got canceled, so let's, you know... Let's give it a hand. Give it a hand. I think that's great by the NFL. I know, you know, uh, I don't know how much they've actually been testing their players. We're not going to get into conspiracy theories. I think they have been. Uh, You know, the Browns kind of got screwed by the coronavirus uh, this season. So that proves that they were testing them at least a little bit. But uh, in all honesty, I, I think it's a great accomplishment for the NFL to finish a full season to get to the Super Bowl And uh, for it to be somewhat normal, uh, there's going to be 25,000 fans. Uh, I don't know if I agree with having 25,000 fans, but I think it's great that the Super Bowl will have fans great for the economy and great for for the sport because the Super Bowl isn't the Super Bowl without the fans, and everybody knows that. All right, so let's quickly get into our Super Bowl 55 preview, and I am excited for this game. This has the potential to be one of the best Super Bowls of all time. And I know I'm I'm a sports analyst. I'm supposed to get overhyped about these type of games to try and get you guys to listen to my opinion on them and to get you to watch the game and then listen to me after the game to hear what I thought about the game. But I'm not just saying that to just say that because Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady might be one of the best quarterback matches of all time. And this game means a lot for the legacy of both players. Legacy. Here's why it means so much for legacy. Because if Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl, he'd have seven rings and 11 tries. He'd be seven and four in the Super Bowl. If he beats Patrick Mahomes, and say Tom Brady retires after this year, he says, you know what? I won the Super Bowl. I'm going to ride out on top, and I'm going to ride off into the sunset with my seventh ring on my finger. You know, Patrick Mahomes, even if Patrick Mahomes wins eight Super Bowls, could not make the claim that he's the GOAT. You know why? Because Tom Brady would have seven Super Bowls. He would have been there 11 times. I don't know about you, but I, I Patrick Mahomes is good enough to get to 11 Super Bowls. I don't think I'll pick him to do that right now, today. But um, if Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes, let's say, wins like, at the same amount. Let's say Tom, Patrick Mahomes wins seven Super Bowls. He goes 7-1 and one in the Super Bowl. His only loss is to Tom Brady. And uh, he has a great Hall of Fame career. Like we all expect him to. He wins the same amount of Super Bowls. Even if... I'll take that a step further. He wins eight Super Bowls. Goes 8-1. and one, Only losses to Tom Brady. I would not put Patrick Mahomes as the GOAT above Tom Brady. And here's why. Because Patrick Mahomes, in theory, only, his only two playoff losses, if he loses this game, would be Tom Brady. Tom Brady beat him in 2018. He went down to Kansas City, to Arrowhead. The fans were going crazy. And he led an overtime drive, won the game, and beat Patrick Mahomes. And he would have beat him in this Super Bowl. Mahomes, this game means so, and it sounds crazy, this game means so much more for Patrick Mahomes' legacy, even though it's only his third season, than it does for Tom Brady's legacy at the end of the day. It just does. And that's why I think it's so intriguing to talk about that kind of stuff. And you look at the matchups, like just on the offense side of the ball. I'm not even talking about the defense side of the ball, where we got Shaquille Barrett and, uh, and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and the Dominican Sioux on Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got some guys over there. And you look at Kansas City, they got the Honey Badger. And they got, they got Jones, who is a dog in the playoffs. They got some good players on defense. Look at an offense, though. There are so there's so much intrigue in these in these matchups. Antonio Brown versus Le'Veon Bell. Antonio Brown the Buccaneers versus Le'Veon Bell and the Chiefs. The storyline there obviously being they both played for the Steelers, didn't work out for them, and they leave the Steelers, and voila, they're in the Super Bowl. I know that's just an interesting storyline. But getting back, look at the Buccaneers receiving core: Antonio Brown, Ty, uh, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scooter, Scotty Miller from Bowling Green. They got a lot of players, and they got Rob Gronkowski and O.J. Howard at their tight end, a two-headed monster at tight end. And their running backs, they got playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette, and they got Ronald Jones, two running backs who can impact the game. And looking at and you 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 listen to that me list off that offense, you say, who's a better offense than that, Jack? It's the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. They got Le'Veon Bell, but they also got Clyde Edwards-Ilair. And they have many more pieces, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, Nicole Hardman, they got some burners, they got fast receivers, they got a fast receiver like tight end, who I think is, I don't know, Kittle is a great tight end, but I think Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football. It's a great matchup, and you look at the head coaches, Bruce Arians versus Andy Reid, two great head coaches as well. This obviously oh my headphones almost popped out there. I don't know what happened there. Uh, that was a little weird. For you guys on YouTube, you got uh, you got a little behind the scenes there. Speaking of YouTube, I'm going to try and start up to uploading my episodes to YouTube. However, for this first one, we're going to upload part 1 and we're going to upload part 2 as two separate videos. My laptop's good, but it's not going to be able to handle an hour long podcast potentially to upload to youtube i can i think it can handle at least 30 minutes uh and upload that to youtube so what i'll do is in the youtube description i'll put part one then we'll put part two link in the description so you can just go part one and watch part two too and i hope you guys uh, check it out on youtube as well as listen to it on anchor spotify apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts because it'll be there like normal we'll have part one We'll have the ad. We'll have part two on Spotify, Angry and Apple podcasts. If you like, if you're going for a walk, you want to listen to it uh, and just have it on your phone. You go. I would prefer, I would think you should listen to it on Spotify and Apple podcast, put in the ear earphones. Uh, go walk your dog, go get out of the house. Everybody needs to get out of the house in, in this day and age and do something fun. And that might be, uh, you. I could be something to listen to. And uh, if you, if you're sitting at home, you need, you know, maybe before the big game on Sunday, you, you want some pregame talk show. Why don't you give uh, give me a listen, you know? Uh, I can break down this game and be better than those those guys on CBS, NBC, ESPN, all those guys. i will be a little bit more interesting <laughs> than those guys. That's what I would say. But, you know, go check it out on YouTube. Go check it out on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. It should be uploaded later today. And I just thank you guys in advance for listening to this and watching this. And I hope you guys like the background. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be doing fun backgrounds uh, for this podcast every week. We're starting with... The stadium where the Super Bowl is going to be played. Back to the game preview. Sorry about that. Just wanted to update you guys on the direction of the podcast. So for this game, the Chiefs are favored by three. They're favored by three. That's definitely fair. Um, You know, the Chiefs have been the best team in football. They're 16-2 coming into this game. Patrick Mahomes, I said this last week, he's 25-1 in his last 26 games. One loss. That was to the Raiders earlier this year. They're favored by three. The two teams did meet earlier this year. The Chiefs, of course, won that game 27 to 24, but I believe the Chiefs got off to a 27 to 6 start, if I'm not mistaken. And it was in in part, it, it was thanks in part due to Tyreek Hill. Not in part, probably almost entirely due to Tyreek Hill. He had eight catches, 210 yards, and two touchdowns. In the first half. In the first half, eight catches, 210 yards, two tutties in the first half. And Mahomes obviously did Mahomes' things. And uh, that's why the Chiefs won. Now, Brady, to his credit, he got over two early interceptions in that game, brought the Buccaneers back to within three, made it a close game. But the Chiefs, at the end of the day, were the better team, and they won that game. That happened, I believe, in October. It was October or November, one of those two things. But a storyline to watch in this game, there's a ton of storylines. We talked a little bit about them. The Chiefs lost two starting tackles to injury, including former number one pick Eric Fisher. And that could be big against the Bucks front four who played a great game against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Now who will the Chiefs turn to in the Super Bowl? Left tackle Mike Remmers is going to get – he's an undrafted uh, left tackle out of Oregon State in 2012. And the Chiefs are his ninth team in 11 NFL seasons. Before the this run of reliable right tackle play in playing – Sorry, sorry about that. Before this run of reliable right tackle play and pace play in place of the injured Mitchell Swartz. The height of Remmer's career came as the starting right tackle in Carolina with the Panthers. So he has experience. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. You know, uh, you know, it's it's the onomatopoeia, the alliteration of reliable right tackle play in place. They all start with the same letter and the same syllables. It's kind of a tongue twister, you know, but uh, he started in Carolina with the Panthers. You know, he was a right tackle, but he also played some right guard. And most recently he did play in the AFC championship game, for the Bills, so um, against the Bills, excuse me. So he has some experience. Um, he's he's 31 years old. He's got lateral agility. He loves quick-setting defensive ends, meaning he's often aggressive in pass protection, which is what the Chiefs need. And the other guy that the Chiefs are gonna have to turn to is Andrew Wiley. He's an offensive guard, another undrafted free agent, a matching guy. Respect to my fellow Mackin man. He was from Eastern Michigan in 2017. He spent time on three different teams before landing with the Chiefs that same season, but made his NFL debut following that season at guard. He played all 16 regular season games for Kansas City in 2018. In 2019, he out between left and right guard, but was a fixture of the latter position this season in front of Pat Mahomes. In every outing, he played right guard except 98 snaps. So uh, he has experience. The Chiefs shouldn't be worried, but that's a storyline to watch. Eric Fisher is out, and he was a former number one pick. Another matching guy, I believe, is out of Central Michigan. He's a former number one pick. It could be big for the Bucs to get some pressure against Pat Mahomes. Now, here's a moment you all been waiting for. Before I get to my pick, we're going to talk a little bit about the keys to the game for each team. You know, uh, I think it's good to give keys to the game something to watch for. Uh, I'm I'm no expert, but. I like to think I'm a little bit of an expert. I play Madden a lot. You know, I've seen a lot of football in my in my in my time here. But uh, here are some of the keys to the game. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, establish the run with Ronald Jones and play off Lenny Fournette. You got to establish the run. Here's why. We talked about it when the Browns were playing the Chiefs. The way you beat the Chiefs is you got to establish the run. They have, they're 31st against the run this season. Their defense is 31st against the run. They, have, they don't have a great run defense. They have a good defense. They don't have a great run defense. You look at the Raiders game this earlier this year in which the Chiefs won. They ran the ball down the Chiefs' throats with Josh Jacobs. It opened up Derek Carr to laterally throw the ball to his, his fast receivers and Henry Ruggs and Nelson Aguilar, and the Raiders went into Arrowhead and they beat the Kansas City Chiefs 40-32. to Tampa Bay needs to follow that blueprint. Get... Um, playoff Lenny and Ronald Jones involved and I think they can they both have been playing well and uh, I listened to I believe it was Leonard Fournette on pardon my take on Monday he talked about that Lions game um the the Buccaneers played the Lions sorry Lions fans man I feel bad like the Lions, I was just talking about how Matthew Stafford is a winner for leaving Detroit. Like, he's the winner of the trade for leaving Detroit. And now I'm kind of talking about the game you guys lost 48-6 to six to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But anyway, Leonard Fournette said that was the turning point for the Buccaneers. Um, they scored 48 points. I think Tom Brady threw four touchdowns in the first half to three different receivers. It was, it was a crazy game. And, I, that was, and from there, then on there, the Bucs didn't lose a game, and they haven't looked back follow that blueprint. Follow that the, the Raiders' blueprint against the Chiefs, follow that one, and follow your blueprint against the Lions. Get everybody involved. Get other receivers besides Mike Evans involved. Because Mike Evans is the guy for Tampa Bay. We know he's a bona fide number one receiver in the NFL. If you can get Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, OJ Howard, Scotty Miller, Scotty Miller, if you can get Chris Godwin, all those guys involved, it's going to open up Mike Evans later in the game for one-on-one situations with the cornerbacks. And you saw Green Bay's defense make this mistake, focusing too much on Mike Evans. And, and Tom Brady, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He can get receivers involved. He threw that deep ball at the end of the first half to Scottie Miller, and that was the play of the game. And this is a defensive key for the Buccaneers. Might be the biggest key for the Buccaneers. you got to worry more about covering Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes you got to worry more about covering uh, Ty- Tyree Hill and Travis Kelsey than you do have to worry about blitzing Patrick Mahomes. There's going to be a lot of temptation and a lot of um, you know desire to blitz Patrick Mahomes because Eric Fisher, as we mentioned, their starting left tackle is out and they have two backup offensive linemen in, and so maybe the Tampa Bay's thinking we should blitz Patrick Mahomes. But Patrick Mahomes, if you look at his numbers against the blitz, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, a running game would keep Mahomes off the field, but that's a nice plan until you look up and it's 14-3. to three. Then what? I think both coaches will be aggressive and offensive minded. With two quarterbacks playing at a high level, one the greatest ever and the other on his way to maybe being the greatest ever as well, I would expect a lot of offense. And with two aggressive defenses, look for some big turnovers. And that means a lot of points. And this is why I'm leaning towards Kansas City in this game. If you are too aggressive blitzing, it's going to open up one-on-one matchups with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And Patrick Mahomes can throw the ball when he's falling down out of bounds. He can throw a 50-yard pass when he's falling down out of bounds. So maybe you sit back in coverage and you bring maybe four guys, maybe one linebacker. Maybe that's how you beat Mahomes. I don't know. It hasn't been done a lot since Mahomes been in the league. But I think a lot of points are going to be scored in this game. And if you blitz you're going to get you're you're going to pay in this game and mahomes has always been that way and that won't change on the biggest stage so that's why they need to worry more about coverage coverage than blitzing mahomes and for the chiefs you need to play your game and you need to attack them early we talked about it. We've talked about it for weeks with the Chiefs. They have been so they've been so slow during the regular season to like kind of turn it on. They let teams linger, let teams get back into games. They only beat the Falcons by 3. Like they should not be doing that. They should be blowing every team out. I didn't see the Chiefs of 2019 this season at all until that Bills game in the AFC Championship game. That was those Chiefs. Those Chiefs that won the Super Bowl, those Chiefs that are fourteen and two, and those Chiefs showed up in the AFC Championship game. And if those Chiefs take, if the Chiefs take a lead, a fourteen to three lead in this game, I don't think Tom Terrific's coming back. Now I could eat my words because remember the last time Tom Terrific went down to Super Bowl twenty-eight to three against the Atlanta Falcons. And we all know how that one ended. But if you're the Chiefs, play your game, attack early. You don't want to let Tampa Bay get a big lead in this game. If they go up 10, the pressure's immediately on you. Number Key number two. Now, I said blitzing was a bad thing for, Tampa, for the Tampa Bay defense to do. But I think it's a good thing for the Chiefs defense to do because, you know, father time is undefeated. And, you know, Tom Brady is 43 years young, and that's not, that's not old by any means, but it's old for football. And Mahomes is, is um, an agile, athletic quarterback. Tom Brady, you know, he's still playing at a, the highest level at 43 years old, but he cannot get outside of the pocket like he used to. If you can pressure Tom Brady and make him make throws outside the pocket, he will throw an interception, at least one interception. He will throw late across the middle or late across the sideline, and Teron Matthew will jump in front of the receiver and get an interception. If you can force Tom Brady to have two or more turnovers in this game, you're going to win the game. And so the Chiefs, I think you need to pressure Brady, make him get outside the pocket. And the last key is just, you know, it's a no-brainer for Andy Reid. And I don't think Andy Reid is going to have a problem with this. Let Mahomes do his thing. You know, you know, you know the Seahawks fans, they were saying let Russ cook earlier in the year because Pete Carroll was so committed to running the ball, even though he had a top-five quarterback in Russell Wilson. You know, the Chiefs, don't get too cute. Don't get too smart trying to establish a run game. Let Patrick Mahomes be Patrick Mahomes. He is getting getting paid 503 million dollars over 10 years for a reason and let Mahomes be Mahomes. That's that's at the end of the day that's the key for the Chiefs. Now, I've gone back and forth on this pick all week. You know, I got to go with my gut. You know, I can't bet you know, I I'm going to eat my I know I'm going to eat my words as soon as I say this, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win this game. I can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. I cannot do it. He has lost he has not been like out of a big game in his NFL career. The one game he lost against Tom Brady and the Patriots, it went to overtime. And if Patrick Mahomes got the ball first in overtime, the Chiefs would have won that game. But he has won every other big game in his career, and I don't expect that to change. I'm taking the Chiefs to win this game 34-31. to That's my Super Bowl pick. And it's been a great NFL season. Real quick before we go, some other Super Bowl, you know, for the non-football fans who listen to this podcast. I'm sure there's a couple of you. I don't know. We're going to talk about, you know, the the, the Puppy Bowl. I'm pretty sure the Puppy Bowl is still going on. I know you're going to watch the Puppy Bowl. It's on Animal Planet, I think about 2 or 3 o'clock. You're definitely going to want to watch that. Uh, You know, The Weeknd is performing Halftime. You know, that's going to be a great performance. He's got that song, I'm blinded by the lights. You know, that's a great song. And, you know... Mountain Dew, there you have a chance to win $1 million on Super Bowl Sunday. Mountain Dew is airing a commercial with actor from Daddy's Home, Daddy's Home 2, John Cena. He's also a professional wrestler, but we care more about Daddy's Home 2 on this podcast. John Cena is going to be in a commercial with Mountain Dew. And if you can guess the exact number of Mountain Dew bottles in the commercial, you can win $1 million. So those are just some fun things to watch for during Super Bowl Sunday. It should be a great Super Bowl. I'm excited to watch. I hope you guys are excited to watch. Thank you so much for listening. We will, back, we will be back next week with a new episode recapping the Super Bowl and talking about everything else in the world of sports. Thank you so much for listening and maybe even watching this podcast. We hope to see you next week. Have a great week. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Do something fun. And uh, just have a great week, everybody. And we'll catch you on the flip side.